Everybody, welcome to another quarantine. To can you dig it? A podcast by SilverScreenRoll.com. Jacob, I don't know why I specified quarantine edition because every podcast we do is outside, uh, and you always have your camera on when we record, so it's not like you're recording outside either. Uh, but it is still very a strange time, a, a very strange time rather, uh, to be talking about basketball at all. But here we are. Uh, and before we get started, though, how are you doing? Uh, how, how are you keeping busy during this time? I'm guessing it's a lot of TV. Uh, I think I cleaned my house for like the 170th time this quarantine <laughs> this week. Uh, I have watched so many movies, so many gotten caught up on so many TV shows. Um, I'm running out of running out of ideas. I need sports back, but doesn't sound like they're going to be very or come back very close. The Last Dance, I was eager for an entire week for that to come on. I treated that basically like the damn Super Bowl, it felt like. <laughs> it lived up to the hype. I did it again this week. I'm excited for two more episodes this week, but I uh, I badly need sports back. Yeah, it would be very nice to have sports back. I got so desperate for sports yesterday. I turned on the first five minutes of the NFL draft, and I was like, <laughs> I don't care about this. I don't care who. I don't know what a Joe Burrow is. <laughs> I uh, I didn't watch. I watched a Super Bowl this year, and that was it. And uh, I didn't get that desperate because I knew I would have absolutely no idea what anybody was talking <laughs> about. But um, that's about I, I wasn't far from it because I knew many people multiple people talking about it and I almost just turned it on in the background just to make it seem like sports were back on again. Just the brief highlights, just treat those as an actual sporting event. It's bad. I went to go see the the invisible man at the drive in and it was like surprisingly good. I just the the title of the movie and like I think that character is just so is kind of a relic at this point, kind of like, um, you know, a, a werewolf or a vampire within that same vein. And I was just like, oh, brother, here we go. But it was actually really enjoyable. I've watched I haven't I don't know that there is a drive in that's open anywhere around us, but uh I've watched every movie I can on Netflix and Amazon Prime and everything. Um, I'm like out of movie. I watched. I didn't even intentionally do it. I watched Earth, uh, 2012 on Earth Day as mm-hmm. like a reverse jinx, I guess. I don't know, but uh, I I I'm running out of. I started like digging through old DVDs I had and like started <laughs> watching old movies and whatnot that I hadn't watched in a while. I'm I'm just desperate to get out of the house and return to normalcy. Uh, before that happens, though, we have to continue to find ways to stay busy and keep not only you guys, but ourselves entertained. And we thought um, a good way to do that would be 
to kick off the first ever, get ready for this, the Screenies, which is Silver Screen and Rolls <laughs> official <laughs> uh, award show. And Jacob, I know you made this comparison before we went uh, on air, but yes, it is a blatant ripoff of the Dundies. <laughs> Just like it rolls off the tongue not as well as the Dundies, I think. We won't be able to do it this year, obviously, because of the quarantine, but future um, award shows of this will be hosted in Chili's. <laughs> That's one I haven't watched, haven't rewatched yet. I've uh, started my rewatch of Community, but oh, the, office, the Office I have not started yet. I honestly, I've... since it ended, I haven't rewatched it, just because the last two seasons just left a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. not like not like uh from what i understand the last season of game of thrones did to <laughs> game of thrones fans but uh it, it was i i just wanted to take a break from it for a little while i rewatched it really right before this whole quarantine thing started um I've rewatched it a couple times. It definitely tails off when Michael leaves. But I also think the last, like, two or three episodes are, like, incredible. And, like, a perfect send-off. So you almost, like, slug through those couple of seasons to get to the final couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've re- I don't know if you watched this. I restarted... Or started rewatching Parks and Rec again. Oh, Parks and Rec is so good. How how insane is it that NBC Thursday nights used to consist of The Office, Thirty Rock, Parks and Recreation, and Community? Like what? Just just so incredible show after incredible show. I've I've watched Thirty Rock's the only one of those I haven't like watched the entire thing. I've watched a fair amount of it, but those other three shows are three of my favorites. Period. Like I've rewatched. Each of them multiple times over. I love them each so much. That's such a, it's such a tremendous night of television every week. Yeah, my my uh, family knew when I was younger to not to not ask for the TV that day just because it was mine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, on to basketball stuff. I'm sure we'll uh, go off on tangents during this, whether it be about the office or other things. Um, but yeah, let's get this kicked off uh, with our first award, which is uh, most improved. And I'll I'll start us off here only because um, the, the dumb name was my idea, so <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll we'll start off with me. Uh, it, it's a little tough for most improved because if you just look at their like raw numbers. They're not much better than they were last season. Uh, but my pick is is pretty clearly Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, he's averaging like two points less than he was last season. Uh, but he's doing it at like a way more efficient rate than he did last season. 47.2% from the field, 39.4% from behind the arc. Really good. Uh, it's on 3.5 attempts per game, so... Uh, Harrison and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but I think everybody was expecting Contavious Caldwell Pope to look better in a LeBron James offense, like a true LeBron James offense, not him and Lonzo Ball sharing ball duties. And then, you know, Luke Walton's office, which 
more often than not ended up in a JaVale McGee post up <laughs> for whatever god awful reason. Um and and I think everybody has been proven right so far. I mean, it didn't look like it start of the season. I mean, even for the start of the season till now, KCP deserves most improved. So uh, that is my pick. Um, I am interested in hearing your pick, though. I don't know that you can pick. I'll I'll have one other name to mention, but uh, for KCP, it'd be hard to pick against him because he's just been so... He's been this season what I think all of us expected him to be the last two or three seasons, however long he's been in L.A. Um, I think he finally, for also probably the first time since he's been in L.A., has lived up to his contract. Um, But, yeah, it's not a surprise, as you said, that put him in an offense with spacing and shooting and LeBron finding shooters and he's found a ton of success. Um, it was pretty rocky at the start of the year, but I mean, since those first half dozen, maybe dozen games, um, he's been probably the best three and D guy on the team. I was trying to see. Um, so he's played in 63 games So in the last 52 games, he's shooting 42% from three, just shy of 42% from three um, because he started the year just horribly. But, yeah, I don't think there's anybody else. The only other name I think you could say, though I think this probably applies better to another category, would be Dwight Howard. Yeah. Um, Because he – I mean, he was like a afterthought, even for the Lakers. Like, they only signed him after Boogie got hurt. But um, KCP's played such a big role this season that I think he has to be the winner. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think everybody expected Danny Green to be, like, the better 3 and D player. And you can make an argument that he still has been, even in spite of his struggles. But Contavious Caldwell-Pope has clearly just been uh, the better shooter, which... I don't think anybody could have guessed. Um, that could change when the postseason rolls around, not because Contavious Caldwell-Pope would, you know, digress, but I, I just think everybody expects Danny Green to bounce back from this. Uh, but, yeah, KCP is definitely uh, my pick and I, I think a worthy pick. Uh, you mentioned Dwight being reserved for another category so we'll jump right to that category right now uh and i'm assuming you mean big surprise uh biggest surprise yeah and that would be i mean dwight easily could win most improved too because but it i mean he just was hurt last season so it seems a bit harsh and he was decent um before he was hurt although a lot of his problems stemmed from kind of off-court stuff and um, like locker room stuff, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody, it's been talked about over and over again. I don't think anybody wanted him, uh, when he was signed. And I think he has been one of the, I'm trying to think maybe one of the four or five kind of most important players on the team. Um, he's closed a lot of games. And for a good chunk of the season, I would say, has outplayed JaVale. Um, 
there's been an argument for a while. Maybe he should be in the starting lineup. I think his energy off the bench does well um, for those second units. And like I said, he still closes a lot of games. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody expected anything close to this um, from him this season. So um, kind of how I think KCP was the runaway winner for uh, most improved. I think Dwight is probably the runaway winner for biggest or most surprising. Yeah. And I think similar to um, Howard and KCP with that last category, KCP, you could make an argument here because while people expected KCP to have a bounce back year with the two seasons he had in LA prior to, it was just kind of more of, cautious optimism or rational confidence none of which kcp lacks um and and i think for that reason uh kcp also deserved some consideration here but uh dwight is definitely up there my pick though was actually avery bradley because even avery bradley hasn't been super consistent this season but the stretches he has been good especially defensively I just wasn't expecting because, boy, was he awful with the Clippers, um, and and in the, and in that year in Detroit, like like really really bad to the point where when they used uh, their mid level exception or biannual whatever it was on him this past year, um, I wasn't thrilled about it. Like mm-hmm. I I knew the Lakers need for a point guard, but I didn't know if Avery Bradley was that was going to be that guy like in theory he makes a ton of sense next to lebron james he's uh, a perimeter defender who knocks down three pointers but he hadn't been that for a really really long time so the fact that he's contributing at a starter level um and nobody's really complained about him being a starter i think speaks to how much he's improved or how much the perception around him has changed from last season to this season and I think the best example of how good he's been was the stretch when he was hurt and the Lakers missed what he brought to the table. Yeah. A lot of the defensive intensity. He's overzealous at times on that end and will pick up some cheap fouls. Um, he doesn't have the quickness or the um, reaction time that he had in his prime in Boston. But, I mean, that's a fair pick. I I know you and I, and I think Sabrina too, at times early in the season or during preseason, had a couple different podcasts where we were talking about the point guard position and how big of a hole that was going to be this year. Um, But because of Avery Bradley, it hasn't been nearly the weakness we thought it would be. Um, He's done what the Lakers have needed from a... I guess a nominal point guard. I guess LeBron is technically the the point guard or however you want to go about it. But somebody playing his role, he's done what the team has needed. He shot uh, 36% from three, which you probably still would like to see a bit higher. But um, considering what else he brings to the table, especially defensively, that's a number you can live with. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely been a surprise as well this season, undoubtedly. Yeah, and even before the NBA season was suspended. He was just shooting the lights out. Like over the last 15 games, he was shooting 43% from three on 5.3 attempts per game. Like that is 
the player we were seeing on a pretty consistent basis. Like, do I think it was going to last for the remainder of the season? No, but with the the types of shots he was getting, uh, they were in rhythm. It seemed for a minute there that he was trading those long mid-range jumpers that, in his defense, he was making at a high clip. But he was trading those long mid-range jumpers for three-point attempts, and it was working out in his favor. Uh, hopefully, if or when the season returns, he doesn't lose that confidence because uh, having a player like that that can, you know, guard to an extent the other team's best guard uh, alongside Danny Green and knock down three-pointers, uh, that's one of the key ingredients for success on a LeBron James team. So shout out to AB, shout out to Dwight Howard. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to to make a, as big of an impact as they have this season. Uh, the next category we have up on our screenies list is best supporting role. And I'll start off here by saying, I don't see how this award could go to anybody, but Anthony Davis, just because I, I think if there were, if there were a clear sixth man on this team, you could probably give it to them. I just don't know that there is like, and if you're talking about best supporting role, I think Anthony Davis has been, a number two option on steroids by a lot <laughs> averaging, you know, 25.7 points per game, 10 point, uh, or sorry, 26.7 points per game, uh, 9.4 rebounds per game, 2.4 blocks per game, 1.5 steals, like absolute lunacy that he's the second best player on the team. Uh, and for that reason, he's my best supporting, uh, role. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody else you can give it to. Um, Man, we knew how good Anthony Davis was going to be. Like, you saw all the stats. You heard people talk about it. And he still amazes amazes you every night. He's He honestly surprised me, even to a degree, at how good he was. Um, he's so smooth and so versatile um, on both ends of the court. You saw him at times step out and guard the Kawhi Leonard in some of those Clippers matchups. He protects the rim as well as anybody. And then offensively, can get to the rim, can knock down the mid-range. The three-point shot was a struggle at the beginning of the year, but uh, it's it was really coming around um, before the kind of break, whatever you want to call it, the quarantine break. Um, he's definitely overqualified as a number two option, but in this Laker offense, he was that, especially as the season wore on. And as LeBron kind of turned things up, he was the number two guy, and he was, he's been incredible. He's been a perfect complement to LeBron, like we thought he would be. And yeah, it, you can't say enough, enough about how great he was this season. And yeah, I to to clarify, the, this is probably the best fit for him with the awards we have coming up. It's not like we just pigeonholed Anthony Davis into you know, being the number two guy. I mean, he is, but he is a very, very, very good number two option. I don't want that to get lost on anybody. Uh, and again, you just look at the team. I think Danny Green probably could have made a case here if he if he was having a better season. 
but it that just hasn't that just hasn't worked out so far. So I think it's, it's kind of the identity of this team yeah. that they don't have a a third guy, which a lot of us saw as a problem. I think it's turned into a bit of a strength, especially mm. the way Vogel has used it in that there's half a dozen, six, seven, eight guys um, any night that you can depend upon to put with LeBron and AD and whichever of those, whichever three of those guys are playing best that night um, usually close the game. There really wasn't a closing lineup that was used often. So um, I don't know that there really was anybody else you could, I mean, probably Danny Green just kind of on reputation and the fact he probably featured most with LeBron and AD. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting season in that regard because I think a lot of us assumed that you would need a third guy to step up, and a lot of us were assuming it'd be Danny Green, and he's played well. Um, he's struggled at times, but if you'd have told me that nobody else on the team was averaging more than 12 points a game, and that's Kuzma, even with everything going on with his game this season, I would not have thought that we would be first in the West by a, a pretty large margin at this point. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I, I think in our season preview pod, I had the Lakers finishing fourth or fifth, which was probably low even in hindsight. Uh, and I think you and Sabrina told me while we were recording that I was overestimating the value of continuity and organizations. Lakers to turn things around the way they did with a brand new head coach. Um, I think it's something like eight or nine new players on the roster. Uh, it's just really, really, really impressive. And uh, Frank Vogel probably deserves a ton of uh, credit for that. And honestly, <laughs> you could even put him in this category for best supporting role because yeah. in terms of Le- and LeBron James teams, this is about as drama free as we've ever seen. And I think it's because Vogel has learned the art of managing a superstar team, uh, which means if there are things you don't feel super confident in, or you think could be a divisive issue in the locker room, keep an open line of communication with your superstars and, you know, pick and choose your battles, defer to them when you have to or when you feels right. Uh, and I think some of his harsher critics, which I haven't seen much of this season, um, would argue that that's LeBron James and Anthony Davis coaching the team. But even if that's the case, it's better than, you know, the alternative, which is not to go back to Luke Walton, but yeah. <laughs> like... Luke Walton trying to coach LeBron James, uh, which whether it's LeBron or Steph or Giannis, that it just that's not feasible in in a superstar driven league. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of bad stand-in coaches, even in that uh, LeBron and AD are man in the ship. Yeah, honestly, he probably I didn't even think about him, but I mean, he probably deserved. Uh, some recognition and biggest surprise um, because, again, another person that was not the Lakers' first option wasn't even their second option. Um, and yet, come in from day one and 
he's been terrific. Like he's handled LeBron and AD perfectly. He's handled the team around them perfectly. I really, I mean, aside from probably playing Rondo a bit too much, I don't have a lot of complaints, but also the Lakers don't really have a player that can guide the offense when LeBron isn't on the court. So mm-hmm. he kind of is forced in some ways to play Rondo. He still probably depends on him a bit too much. But um, aside from that, I there really are no complaints from Vogel this season. And I would not have expected that either, especially with how terribly they handled hiring a coach in the offseason anyway. They just, I mean, they really got lucky in this regard that Vogel fell into their laps and has been as good as he has been this year. The next award we're going to give out um, as we get towards the end here, get towards the uh, <laughs> the big awards of the night, uh, the screening for most valuable player. And again, this is another one of those awards. And I think <laughs> it, the, the fact that the pool is so small does speak to how top heavy this team's been this season. Like, even with how well and cohesive they've been at the team, this still is very much LeBron James and Anthony Davis team. And since AD already got his award, uh, not that you can't get more than one award, <laughs> that wasn't uh, something that was voted on by the Academy, but uh, LeBron James is is my pick for most valuable, uh, not just for the Lakers, but, but um, you, he, he has an argument for most valuable player in the league too. I think Giannis has just put up video game-like numbers uh, on the best team in the NBA. Uh, so that, for for that reason, I think he warrants that, that second MVP. But boy, the fact that an argument can even be made for LeBron, and a very compelling argument at that, uh, at the age of 36 years old, or sorry, 35, 30, no, 35. At 35 years old to still be in the MVP race is <laughs> yeah. insanity. And again, it's not just, uh, well, he's he's doing really well for his age. He's doing well for any player, any age. Uh, and if Giannis didn't have his speed and, and dunking sliders all the way up, I think LeBron <laughs> James would have um, a fair shot at it. it. I mean, in a lot of ways... I think we were robbed of what could have been a really, really fun final few weeks of the regular season because LeBron had kicked it up into whether you want to call it playoff mode or whatever it was, he had ramped it up. And those back-to-back games against Milwaukee and the Clippers, like he looked like full playoff mode. He was ready. And with Giannis injured and, probably out for a couple weeks, especially considering the Bucks had all but wrapped up the one seed. Um, I think LeBron would have made a pretty compelling case and a pretty strong run at the MVP award. Um, now, almost certainly, they won't play enough games, and even if they will, it's going to be a really funky couple, couple of weeks, couple of games, however many it ends up being. Um so, so for the league, it's I think it's pretty easily going to be Giannis's at this point. For the Lakers, um, I mean, you take all the things we said about AD and then take into account that this is still easily LeBron's MVP award. Um, 
he has been, as you said, he, he's been incredible for any type of NBA player. The fact he's 35 on his uh, 17th year in the league playing, he's at upwards of almost 49,000 regular season minutes. Um, just all the context you, you can add to it. This was an absolutely incredible season. Um, I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, it was even one of his better seasons ever, um, especially considering he was averaging by far a career high in assists and doing it all in the fewest minutes he's ever played. Like, I don't think you can say enough about how unreal LeBron was this season. Yeah. I And, you know, to your point about him activating playoff mode and ugh, how good he looked against Giannis and Kawhi, like, I understand MVP is the regular season award, but it seems we have this conversation every time, like, LeBron James makes the playoffs. Like, the, it wasn't a conversation last season because the conversation around him last season was how many years does he have left in the tank? Uh, the Lakers same didn't make the playoffs. What does that say about LeBron's ability to, to carry a team to the playoffs? Whatever. The fact that, that the Lakers are a playoff team and that LeBron James is playing some of his best basketball, um, there seems to be this conversation about like who the best player in the league is. <laughs> and again, I want to give Giannis his flowers. He's a very, very, very good basketball player. And one day will be the face of the league, assuming he's not already. The thing about LeBron James, though, is when LeBron James wants to be the best basketball player on the floor, he's going to be. And he's going to want to be that in every game in the postseason, like he's been every year for the past, you know, decade like, it's absolutely insane to me that that people want to make this gap between Giannis and LeBron seem massive. And statistically, yes. Again, I want I want to stress <laughs> Giannis is so, so, so good. But LeBron is also just an incredible basketball player. And if you put them in a seven-game series, which I hope to God we get still, I think you'll see that the gap is not as big assuming it exists at all between LeBron and Giannis, because LeBron can do almost anything he wants in the basketball floor. I think the difference is that, I mean, obviously just basically age. There's like a decade between the two of them. Giannis can go out there every night, play as hard as he wants, fly around the court for, I was going to say 48 minutes, but he's only playing like 35 minutes in the, Eastern Conference because he doesn't play fourth quarters. Um, but he can do all that every night. And, I mean, and LeBron used to be able to do that. But LeBron saved himself and saved his body like we'd seen him do so many times that I think once he finally turned it on and finally decided, all right, it's go time, I just can't get out of my head those that Milwaukee and Clippers games where – it was go time, and he went mano a mano on both ends of the court with the two guys that everybody said were the two best players in the league and out-dueled both of them decisively. And yep. um, 
I mean, that was as impressive as a back-to-back kind of individual performance as I can remember um, from a Laker in some time because just the stakes of those games, um, the context around them, and for him to come out and play as he did, I was so excited for for what was to come. Uh, He looked like the old LeBron. um, And, I mean, I agree with your point. I think in a seven-game playoff series – he's very easily is going to be able to make the case as being the best player on the court. And I think at his peak, when he's playing like he did in those Milwaukee and Clippers games, there's an easy argument for him being the best player in the league still. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, let's hope we see it. Cause if we don't Knock on wood, yeah, that would be, that'd be bad for everybody. Like that would be the equivalent of, Um, the year Kobe and LeBron were set to face each other off in the finals and then that just getting canceled. Like, I I would much rather know that LeBron and Giannis don't see each other than just not getting the chance to at all. So be such a gut punch after so long of the (laughs) Lakers just being just awful. And finally we get, um, get back to the playoff and we don't even get the playoffs. Like, God, I don't even want to think about it. I'd be so (laughs) upset. Uh, On the complete opposite side of the spectrum, uh, we're going to hand out the award for least valuable. Uh, And I, I don't know. You can go a few directions here. uh, But I think if you're just looking at raw statistics, um, Rajon Rondo comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, he does come to mind. You're right. Because, <laughs> um, God, I'm I'm looking at his stats on cleaning the glass right now. And he has the worst point differential on the team of anybody that's logged more than 500 minutes this season. Um, the Lakers are 1.9 points better per 100 possessions with him off the floor on offense and on defense they are 4.9 points better per 100 uh, possessions for a total point differential of negative 6.8 which is bad like the only for context the only people with the worst point differential are Troy Daniels Jared Dudley and Markeith Morris but in Markeith Morris's defense He's only played 118 minutes, uh, but it's still like <laughs> I did not know Morris was in the second percentile in the league in point differential, which is really, really bad. <laughs> I typically do not want to be in the single digits. Um, yeah, the net rating isn't any prettier for him on and off the court. On the court, he's a he has a net rating of 1.4, which I mean, the only rotation players who had a lower net rating were Markeith Morris, which you just gave the context for. He's played seven, 800 less minutes with the Lakers than Rondo. Uh, but it's a 1.4 net rating with him on the court. With him off the court, it's a 9.5 net rating. Um, just a gargantuan difference. Uh, like I said earlier, he plays so much largely because the Lakers don't have anyone else that can like lead an offense 
Um, Caruso's tried at times, and that's still a pretty big weakness for him. So I think it's more of a roster construction problem that hopefully they can fix in the offseason. Um, and we can have assistant coach Rajon Rondo and not backup point guard Rajon Rondo, but there is nobody else I don't think I would even consider in this for this award than Rondo. He has been just mind-numbingly, frustratingly bad this season. Yeah, I and and it's not it's not just the stats either. Like I think anybody that's watched a Lakers game this season. There are stretches during games where having Rondo on the court just lets the other team back in the games. Mm-hmm. And and it's like people watching the games know it's coming every time. And luckily, um, the Lakers do have some depth at the point guard position to where they can turn to a few guys, most notably Alex Caruso. And it is it is night and day with when Rondo plays and Caruso plays like Rondo is in theory, like, sorry, I shouldn't say in theory, Rondo is the better ball handler. It's just how he handles the ball and what he does with it is the problem. Uh, Caruso is not as good of a ball handler, but the energy he brings to the team and like the way he pushes the ball up the floor just breathes new life into the Lakers uh, that they just don't have when Rondo's on the floor. So, yeah, pretty obvious pick for least valuable, uh, which is different from our next award, which is biggest disappointment. I think this one also might be kind of a runaway. I, I mean, Kuzma has probably yeah. been the biggest disappointment. Sure. Um, I've, I mean, I've done a fair amount of defending him on here and elsewhere. He still brings value in ways to the team, but... He's shooting under 30% from three this year, and that was kind of supposed to be his calling card. Um, I think a lot of his struggles are tied directly to the fact that he plays a lot with Rondo, Um, but he's just struggled in general a lot this year. And I think he said it, and I think a lot of people were expecting him to be the third guy, kind of the the final piece of the whatever big three you want to consider it um with lebron and ad and it's not even been close to be honest to be kind of blunt like uh he's still the third leading scorer but um he just has not been efficient as a shooter has struggled a ton this season um i think he's been probably the best he has been defensively but it hasn't made up for um, how much he struggled offensively this season. Yeah, and I uh, I have, I don't want to say capes for Kyle Kuzma, but I, I was a really big fan of his um, going into the season, and I still am. I just don't see a path for him being successful on this team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, I think, at his best, Kyle Kuzma is somebody that operates with the ball in his hands and and gets his offense that way. He is a microwave in every sense of the word. Where once he's hot, his shots just don't stop going. And it seems, uh, but when he's cold, he's really really cold. And it's been easy for him to stay cold with the type of role he's had on the Lakers this season. Um, and but to I to his credit, he has gotten better at the little things. 
that make him a better fit next to LeBron and AD. Like, he's been a more willing rebounder this season. Um, He plays off-ball, which we've known. uh, Plays off-ball really well. Uh, Has improved on the defensive end quite a bit. uh, So I think he deserves credit there. The problem with that, though, is you're not... But you're not keeping Kyle Kuzma on the roster to be a stretch for that plays decent defense. Because one, he's not a great three-point shooter. And two, he's not a good enough defender for that. Like, if that's the type of role you want Kyle Kuzma to play on your team, there are better players at that than Kyle Kuzma is, even if they're not better players than Kyle Kuzma, if that makes sense. Um, So... That's the biggest question mark with me and why I wouldn't be surprised to see them flip him for, you know, something of value this summer. Because I do think Kyle Kuzma's still Kyle Kuzma's ceiling is still a 20 point per game score. And I can see a very realistic uh, situ- like scenario where he goes to a different situation and becomes that. But he has to be the number one or two option on on offense to do that. And unless LeBron and AD just take massive step backs in the <laughs> next year, he he won't be that on the Lakers. Yeah, if he's the number one or number two option at any point for the Lakers, next couple seasons something went horribly wrong. Um, my argument would be, and it's been my argument all season when I've tried to cape for Kuzma, is that he's still valuable at his contract. Yeah, and. He still, the Lakers, I mean, it's the problem that we talked about a lot at the trade deadline is that his contract is so small that even, I think in a vacuum, the Lakers absolutely would be trading him for something that fits better with their team, but it's really hard to trade him at his uh, contract figure. And still, like I said, he still brings value to the team. He just the bar was set so high by his play his rookie year and really he didn't do himself any favors with some of his quotes this summer and then how he's played. Um, he set a really hard bot really high bar, excuse me, this summer and then has struggled. Um, he's still only gonna make three point five million dollars next year. I s- still even at that number, I think he'd be valuable. Um but also at that number, he's a lot more tradable. So I don't know what his future holds, if it's with the Lakers or not. Uh, he's still valuable, as I said. But, yeah, he's been the most disappointing this season. The last screeny we're going to give out is one that I think could have a few answers, uh, unlike the ones we've had. I didn't realize how, like, unanimous all of our answers were going to be. That was Uh a mistake. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, But again, this is a really top-heavy team. Um, There really haven't been any X-factors. Like I think KCP's the closest thing they've come to that. Uh, But even then, his, I think, role is too small to even be considered an X-factor. So, so yeah, let's let's do stat lines of the season. Uh, I'll start with you, Jacob. We talked about it a bit beforehand. I'm actually going to go with something different than what we said beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with his, with I mean his, I say Anthony <laughs> Davis, because he has, 
I sorted by game score for Lakers this season. Uh, basketball references game score. He has five of the top six game scores for the oh Lakers this season. Um, so even with how incredible LeBron was, uh, especially later in the year, I, Anthony Davis, just unbelievable. Um, the game I'm going to go with, though, is uh, against Memphis in late October. Uh, played 31 minutes and had 40 points and 20 rebounds on 17 field goal attempts. Um that was one of the first signs that, oh, my God, this guy is absolutely incredible. <laughs> like, uh, if I recall correctly, he just didn't play the fourth quarter of that game and had 40 and 20, which is absolutely obscene. Um, so there's a lot of games you could pick. Uh, I'm sure you'll pick – or I'm sure the uh, – there's two others that come to mind that you may pick, but yeah, the 40-20 game in three quarters was just absolutely obscene. Yeah, and again, I, I mean, to, to echo what you were saying, I think people had an, uh, an expectation of what Anthony Davis was going to be when they traded what they did for him. Uh, and I think up to that point, he had just been like a very good number two option. Uh, but, but, but moments like that, you just kind of take a step back and think, wow, maybe we didn't give up too much for him. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should send, uh, New Orleans a few more picks. Um, but yeah, he, he is definitely not, uh, the, the one that stands out to me. And I think, uh, people will go back to when looking at this season, uh, is, is the 50 burger he put up against Minnesota? Uh, 50 points, seven rebounds, six assists, four steals, one block, just like a gross stat line. And the thing that's crazy about that is I think everybody has or was looking forward to just seeing how Anthony Davis matched up against other big men because there are, for as much as been made about this being a guards league, this is a time in the NBA where there are dominant big men again, like Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, um, Gobert, Pascal Siakam, um, who's a four more than he's a five, but you get my point. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that Anthony Davis put up the stat line against Carl Anthony Towns, who, to be clear, is not an elite defensive big man by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but the, these are the types of games you get up to play against. Anthony Davis definitely was seeing the best of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, not only did he put up that ridiculous stat line, but he held Cat to 7 of 16 shooting from the field. Um, and Cat ended the game as a negative 16 in the box score. Just... <sighs> Just Anthony Davis things, really. It it was incredible, uh, and it was an absolute joy to watch. Minnesota wasn't the best team even at the time. Like, they were 10 and 12. But, it, again, you could give... God, I'm trying to think of somebody... Like, uh, you could give Cody Zeller that many shots against Carl Anthony Towns, <laughs> and he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't put up that stat line. It just speaks to how talented... Uh, Anthony Davis is and how versatile he is too because it's not like he was getting each and every one of his uh, 
points from just layups and dunks. Like he was posting up, shooting fadeaways. It was um, just a really, really impressive performance. And the fact that he since looked more comfortable shooting the three ball is is really exciting. Uh, just so we're clear, I'm not letting you disparage Indiana University legend Cody Zeller <laughs> on this podcast. Um, find another big man. Uh, find another big man. <laughs> the uh, Myers Leonard. Use okay, that. yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think the other, <laughs> hilariously, the other options you could go with are any of his first three games against the Pelicans because he absolutely obliterated them <laughs> every time. Uh, returned to New Orleans, he had 41 and 9 on 15 of 30 shooting. Uh, the first or the game at home against New Orleans in January. He had 46 and 13 on 15 of 21 shooting. And then um, on March 1st against New Orleans, he had 34 and 13 on 14 of 21 shooting. This guy is unreal. <laughs> like, I think you're right. I don't know that we gave up enough for, for him. Yeah. And the fact, the fact that we could do a, a stat line of the year without mentioning LeBron, LeBron. James is yeah. it, it just speaks to the two best players on this team and and how incredible they are. So uh, that's our show for this week. If you have any other uh, screening awards that we didn't touch on, you can go ahead and send either one of us a tweet at Rad Rivas or at Jacob Rude. Obviously, uh, I am at Rad Rivas, and he is at Jacob Rude. If it were we anything else, we should change our ads yeah. just to confuse everyone. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, send us your suggestions. If you disagree with anything we said, uh, also let us know that, and uh, we'll have another show for you next week. So until then, see ya. <laughs>